Almost 10 years ago, the Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, moved single parents off their pension and onto the New Start unemployment scheme. That's now meant that single parents of children over eight years old needing support have to apply for JobSeeker or another payment, and those payments are lower. It's something that the Women's Economic Equality Task Force, which is advising the government ahead of the budget, says it is predominantly hurting mothers. Sam Mostyn is the task force chair and yesterday uh, delivered a speech to the National Press Club and also took questions uh, revealing um, some of their ideas. And she joins us on breakfast. Sam Mostyn, welcome. Good morning, Patricia. So the Gillard government changed the rules. They'd already been changed, but this was actually for grandfathered parents, I remember, uh, of the time. So what happens to single mothers getting government assistance when their child turns eight? Well, very simply, um, and we've heard this from a number of the women we spoke to um, through our task force, I think many of those women dread the day that they have to celebrate their youngest child's eighth birthday because the day after that birthday is celebrated, those women fall into a new category. They're no longer parents um, under the payment system. They're unemployed people. So they fall, they go back into a, a system, they lose the, pa- the payment, the supplement. They find themselves on uh, just over $700 a fortnight to raise their children. And they, um, and they, uh, they are seen by, I guess, the, the system that pays them as unemployed people. And they're then required to um, do or provide all the things that our unemployment system asks them to do. So they are, in that day, their entire world changes. And that we heard repeatedly that that throws them into poverty and has um, not just a, a shocking effect on them as as people, but it has a, a very, very poor effect on their children. Now, one of the rationales, I covered this issue extensively when it all changed. Uh, one of the rationales for why it changes is to create an incentive for these women to enter the workforce, which is indeed one of the principles of what you're trying to do with your recommendations broadly. What is the what is the rationale and the modelling tell us? If you put those women on a higher payment, would they be less inclined to want to work? Is is it going to have workplace implications? Look, I think this is where we've got to have a proper conversation about um, what is it that happens when women are having children and become sole parents, and what their key desires are over the course of their life. You know, most of those women want to get back to work. They want to increase their skills. Um, and they want to be very, very productive members of our society. They want to earn decent incomes and, and have respect for doing that. They also want to raise their children well and make sure that those kids uh, are doing very well um, over the course of their life. So there's a terrible misnomer that starts to say that as soon as that, that youngest child is eight, right, you're back to work, get into the queue. Um, when Everything about that system has told her to that point that getting new skills might put at risk uh, payments, that she has to spend time away from her children to get those skills. It, it, we, we just make some fundamental um, judgments about this class of women. And Anne Summers talks about this extensively, that we just think these are women on welfare who've just got to suddenly go and get jobs. I agree with the premise that we want to encourage every woman who wants to work to be, get back to work. And most of the women in this situation do want to get back into good, solid, secure work. But the pathway to get there is not to leave that woman, once that youngest child turns eight, stranded and sending her into poverty and and having children that are then um, under incredible stress. She may be seeking, um, she may be kicked out of her her place and can't afford rent. All sorts of things are happening Mm. to stop her actually getting back into the workforce. So why not have a a view that says that parents' rights should be respected, increase 
take the payment back up to an age where that child is probably going to high school and, and the woman is clearer about her ability to get her skills. And, um, and of course, we should give everything to supporting those women, uh, as we want to with all women in our economy, to be full participants and, and get skills and be back working um, if they want to. And if they want to be full-time mm. parents, then they will manage that themselves. But our, philo- our philosophical or ideological approaches to this group of women has been so poor, I think, that we've written them off as welfare recipients as opposed to everything else we hear um, through the Thrive by Five campaign, by advocates for child safety and health. We want parenting to be supported too, which is why we've, we've, we have other recommendations on that front. But seeing these things in whole, uh, increasing that payment to a higher age is the most sensible, most economically important thing we could do. Uh, it was Julia Gillard, as we said in our intro, that changed finally that last part of the rule that had already begun under the uh, previous Howard government. So <laughs> Anne Summers revealed last night on 7.30 that, that it was Anthony Albanese that was in the Cabinet at the time who opposed the change. Now, we all know Anthony Albanese was raised by a single mother, so obviously his own life experience no doubt had an impact on his own thinking about this. He's now Prime Minister. What does that mean? Well, Patricia, I said this at the press club yesterday. If we spend any more time analysing the political background to this, um, we're just wasting that time. It, it's We should stop thinking about what all those intrigues were, get out of the bubble of political intrigue and look at what is before the Prime Minister and his government today. They've committed under their budget to uh, to lift everybody. They've committed to getting women's economic prosperity going. They've committed to um, making sure that children have a fair go and are, are well t- taken care of. And here are the policies that can be implemented that increase economic value to the country, that reinstate women as parents um, in this cohort, uh, those 87,000 women, and let's just get on and do it as good policy. But if we all get trapped, particularly through a media lens, on how we got here or who was in the room when and where and where they are now, we will never have good policy reform. And if we're looking at policy and development for this and, and economic uplift for this country in this critical decade, as the Prime Minister has described it, if we don't do that, we have to stop the intrigue discussion and the gotchas on this and start talking about what does good policy look like, which is why I was so delighted when the Minister for Women, Katie Gallagher, appointed a 13-strong independent group of experts to, to give advice like this. And she said, be bold and independent and direct. Mm. And we're being very direct about this is a policy reform, as, as are many others, that um, has suffered from that backlog of political intrigue that says it's too risky to take it because we'll be back in that conversation. The conversation is the economy and women now and the policies are clear and we've got a budget a few months ahead of us that Mm. could help starting to repair this. One of the other issues is paid parental leave. Uh, You've also called for superannuation to be paid on it. Now, the government keeps telling us they are sympathetic to that, they think it's important, but they can't afford it yet. Is that... uh, What do you think of that answer? Well, of course it's the answer, and I, I understand from the Minister for Women, who is also the Minister for Finance, why there is a, a, um, a response that says we can't afford it. I understand that. Our task force understands deeply. We've got extraordinary expertise around the table that understands this economy and our fiscal environment very deeply. The response, I'd say, is every woman we have spoken to at every income level across the country has said that if you don't attach superannuation to that period of time when we're on paper into leave, that dislocation from the super system is another accumulated problem that means um, we're not we're not we're not adding to our super balances during that time. And by the time we get into our retirement age, we've lost the value of that accumulated amount from that time. And so if you think about it as investments in a future 
our savings for those women um, because they've had to take time out of work and they're on leave, then, um, and everyone said to us, it's the signal it sends that we stay attached to the superannuation system. Um, and I think when you look at it through the investment in the long-term wealth um, and well-being of women who, you know, let's face it, their, their, their salaries drop by 55% in the five years after they've had their children, whereas men's salaries don't change at all after having children. You know, every time we can do something to keep a woman attached to both the labour market and her job and her super savings and adding to it, um, that's a smart investment. And and from a perception point of view, we know that women around the country know, believe this is an essential um, commitment to say we want to keep you attached to that system. Uh, how about 52 weeks paid parental leave? A Senate committee has recommended the government trial shorter working weeks and consider that 52 weeks paid parental leave. Are they good ideas? Absolutely. We've we've said, and we've been very, very clear with the Minister, that we weren't going to give her a, a whole raft of things that were just totally um, unaffordable in the budget context in this year. So we have said we very much um, support and we're helping design the new scheme for the 26-week uplift. We'd like to see superannuation on that. But we noted in our report that there should be an ambition of this government and governments in the future to keep increasing that period. Women have told us that extending the period of time they have um, as parents, we've heard from men and women, that period of parental leave extending is terribly important um, for younger couples who want to be able to plan their lives and plan their work and life arrangements. But you could plan it over the next few years and get up to a much higher level. And even at 26 weeks, which we don't get to until 2026, we are in the bottom third of countries in the world to offer paid parental leave. And in the top cohort, where they've seen the economic uplift and more men becoming parents and taking that leave, the number is 52 weeks. Just finally, before I let you go, this morning there's a report that a woman has been kicked out of a court for breastfeeding her child. It's obviously making news because lots of people are alarmed about it. Given your role advising on these issues broadly of women's participation, what's your reaction to that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> as you would expect, horrified and disappointed. You know, Deloitte last year with Australians Investing in Women interrogated the net economic benefit to this country in breaking down gendered norms and put a $128 billion opportunity on that on that um, on breaking those norms for men and women. Um, and every time I hear about another norm about women particularly, it tells us that we are still stuck in these tight norms that affect women and men. And perhaps, Patricia, if you indulge me, and I know you love footy as much as I do, <laughs> if we don't start thinking of women and men um, and through a lens um, and, and non-gender binary people, if we don't start thinking about what do all people want when it comes to equity and to inclusion, we will fail the test of gender equality in itself. And the example I always give is 20 years ago, the idea that women would be playing um, uh, Australian rules football in their own league as paid professional footballers was inconceivable. And when I was around the AFL commission table back in 2005, it was treated in the same way that breastfeeding in a court would be treated. We're not going to go there. It's not going to happen. Um, that No one will ever go and watch it. Um, those women can keep playing the way that they want, but they don't need a professional league. No one will come and watch it. And so if you think about where we are today, whether it's AFLW, it's the women cricket side, it's our it's Meg Lanning in the in the women's um, Premier League in India, where the Prime Minister is right now in the the most lucrative uh, cricket um, franchise in the world, we have broken these norms about where women can be and how we behave in sport. We're doing it in many other industries, and so 
the fact that a, a poor woman is, is ejected from a courtroom for breastfeeding tells us that we've just got to be onto this. We've got to bring men along to be champions of this and to stand up and be great allies. There are many, many of them. But just I just always say to men and to the people who have these perverse views about how women should behave and wear, when you next go to an AFL footy game and see women playing just like men and, and spearheading the economic uplift in that game and making it um, a, a such, a, such a wonderful environment for families and it grows membership and makes everyone feel like they belong, that's the model. That's all we're asking to do across the country in industries, in courts. That's the, that's the, that's the prize is that we get to this place where we look back and said, what were we thinking? Why did we treat women like that? And that's just good for all of us. Sam, always lovely to speak to you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much, Patricia. Sam Austin is the chair of the Women's Economic Equality Task Force and it will be providing recommendations to the government, which were partly not fully, but partly unveiled yesterday. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.